Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. As the war in Ukraine drags on, are we any closer to peace? We want to break that down just a, a little bit, past the headlines, and really look at where we are and what comes next uh, in Ukraine and so many implications we've seen today that the EU has uh, stepped up its sanctions against Russian oil. Uh, that's it's a significant piece of the puzzle. It's, it is the way that Vladimir Putin is funding the war machine. And so that's going to have some impact there. And of course, that's going to have an impact on fuel prices, inflation, a uh, host of things in Europe, uh, as well as here in the United States. So there's uh, many things we have to get to as we look at that. What is the path to peace there? Uh, really interesting. Uh, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger uh, was really urging both sides to negotiate a peace deal, uh, while the EU, of course, has taken this major step on Russian oil and gas, which uh, is going to be really interesting to see the ramifications of that. So at the World Economic Forum, uh, Henry Kissinger uh, laid it out in terms of what peace talks between Ukraine and Russia could look like and why they need to start soon before things get worse. In my view, the movement towards negotiations and uh, negotiations on peace need to begin the next two months or so, that, that the outcome of the war should be outlined by them before it could it creates uh, upheavals and tensions that will not be, will be even harder to overcome. That was former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger saying we need to get moving on peace talks. Uh, really interesting uh, piece on, in thehill.com today by uh, Robert Manning. from the He's a member of the Atlantic Council. Uh, he said that war tends to take on a life of its own with all sides in a cycle of action and reaction, each seeking to realize its theory of victory. And, and so that's an important thing to think through. As wars take on a life of their own, there is that kind of cycle, and, and each of the sides has kind of in mind a vision of what victory looks like. And we've actually seen that in the course of what's happened over the last several months in Ukraine. If you even just look at it from Vladimir Putin's standpoint, he has had to uh, 
uh, kind of dumb down or <laughs> resize what victory looks like. Uh, he went in very confident that Russia would uh, sweep right in to Kiev and take over the capital, and that would be that. Uh, and now he's had to really downsize uh, all of that in terms of what victory looks like. And and so that's a that's an interesting. Uh, an interesting thing in terms of how that plays out. And so then, of course, you have uh, Ukraine, and Ukraine has continued to maintain that, for them, victory is restoring their control of all of their land. And that is not a wrong vision of things. And I think what uh, Dr. Kissinger is talking about is the longer this goes on, the harder it becomes to actually get to a place where peace talks can happen, where negotiations can begin. And it will be interesting to see how that evolves and changes changes over time. Uh, Secretary of State uh, Colin Powell uh, often cited the, the be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And, and that can be a, a real challenge. And it's a challenge for the United States in terms of what winning and what supporting Ukraine look like. And the further this goes and the deeper it gets, uh, the president over the weekend stated very clearly that he was not going to send rockets to Ukraine that could reach well inside of Russian territory, that he wasn't going to do that. Uh, of course, there's been a host of other military assets that have been deployed to the region and given to the Ukrainian army. And so that starts to change things a little bit, too. Uh, what is What does that mission creep look like? And can that be scaled and, and focused? Uh, is there a very clear set of objectives? Uh, we won't even jump into how much it costs and how that's going to be paid for. Uh, we'll save that discussion uh, for tomorrow. But even just in terms of the expectations, it's, it's an interesting challenge that I think we have to look at as the United States of America. I think Europe is clearly looking at some of these challenges and taking a very bold step today in increasing those uh, uh, getting rid of the reliance on Russian oil and gas and stepping up the embargo there. Uh, Steve Rosenberg from BBC News laid out how Russia's position on Europe's embargo uh, on Russian oil really looks like and what the impact might be. Now, Moscow's position on this is, well, it's a big world out there, isn't it? We'll sell to other markets. We'll sell to Africa, to Asia. And even if Russia has to do that at a discount, it reckons that the high global oil price will help offset those losses. Now, that may be wishful thinking on the part of Moscow, but I suspect that Vladimir Putin will not be sitting in the Kremlin right now thinking, oh, my goodness, I've miscalculated. I've underestimated the economic consequences of this for my country. I'm going to pull my troops out of Ukraine. I can't see that happening. More likely based on the anti-Western rhetoric he's been coming out with in recent weeks, President Putin will be saying to himself, OK, Europe, citizens of Europe, you're already experiencing a degree of economic pain. Expect more of that now as a result of this oil embargo. So some really interesting things from the BBC uh, as you look at that. So one thing I want to point out that was mentioned in that report is that Russia is already looking to other places around the world where they can sell oil and gas. And what Putin's calculation seems to be is 
Well, if there is scarcity in the market, that is going to drive up the price of oil in particular. And that Russia will be able to make up the difference of what they lose by not being able to ship oil in to Europe, but that they might be able to pick up in other places because the price will be so incredibly high. Uh, and so, again, all of these uh, moving goalposts and, and some of the challenges that come just in the fog of war, uh, that, that's going to be the, the test. Now, I, I want to go back full circle to what Dr. Kissinger said, and that is that uh, there really has to be some kind of movement towards negotiation and peace talks within the next two months, uh, or that this becomes a very dug-in, longly uh, protracted battle between Ukraine and Russia. And so the question then becomes, what does that look like? What can that mean? And I think it also causes the U.S. to look at what's the end goal. Is the end goal returning uh, everything back to the pre-February 24th status quo? Uh, Is it to punish uh, Vladimir Putin and to make sure that he is embarrassed on the world stage and devastated economically and maybe even a little bit politically back at home? Uh, what is the the goal and the purpose of the United States government? And what is in our national security best interest uh, for us and for our allies, uh, especially our allies in Europe? Uh, and so this is one of those where leadership is required. And part of leadership is being able to take in the new information and to process it, to assess it, to then create an action plan communicate that plan, and then execute. Now, the complexities of Ukraine will continue to play out, and we'll continue to cover them here on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Hour number one's wrapped up. Stay with us. Much more to come in hour number two after Top of the Hour News. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless, and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.